Welcome to the History Blurbs podcast, where I tell short stories about historical figures and events. I'm Katie Smith, and today we're talking about Richard III. Richard III was King of England from June of 1483 until his death at age 32 in August of 1485. So he had a relatively short rule, but he was still immortalized in a Shakespearean play bearing his name. Shakespeare portrayed him as a deformed man with a hunchback, a club foot, and a withered arm, but none of that was actually true. He did have scoliosis, but the only noted physical deformity was that one shoulder was slightly higher than the other. It was supposedly so slight that a historian of the day couldn't even remember which one it was. He's also portrayed as a villain, which seems to be closer to true, though he certainly has his defenders. His predecessor was his 12-year-old nephew, Edward V. Edward was never actually crowned, and his very short reign was dominated by the influence of his uncle Richard, who had been named Lord Protector of the Realm. That title basically means that Richard was already head of state because Edward was so young. Edward V was dethroned when the marriage of his parents was declared bigamous, making their children illegitimate and stripping him of his right to rule. When Richard took the throne, Edward and his younger brother were taken to live in heavily guarded quarters in the Tower of London, where they disappeared. The most widely accepted theory is that Richard ordered their deaths, but because almost nothing in the study of history is ever 100% certain, there are other suspects. But instead of getting into every questionable or nefarious thing that Richard did or may have done, I want to talk about his death, his burial, and his reburial. Richard III was the last English king to die in battle. He died at Bosworth Field in the last decisive battle of the Wars of Roses. The end of this war marked the end of the Middle Ages in England. His body was displayed for three days to prove that he was dead. Then he was buried in Leicester at Greyfriars Priory Church. In 1495, Henry VII, or Henry Tudor, his successor, paid £50 for a marble and alabaster monument. In 2016, that would have been equivalent to just over 337,000 pounds. The friary closed in 1538 and was demolished. For a time, there was a garden there which might have had a marker for him, but his grave was lost for at least 400 years. His body was believed to have been thrown into a river. Then in 2012, a team looking for him excavated a parking lot on the site of the old Greyfriars Priory. A skeleton was buried almost directly under a painted R, marking a reserved parking spot against the friary's choir wall. There are some conspiracy theories that people must have known he was there because there was an R almost directly over him, but it was just a reserved parking spot. Through radiocarbon dating, comparison with accounts of his appearance, and DNA comparison, His identity was confirmed in February 2013 by the University of Leicester. They had found Richard III buried in a parking lot. His skeleton identified his cause of death and showed a bunch of other injuries that all make sense because he died in battle. His skull showed two fatal blows at the back. One was an injury that would have left his brain visible, and the other showed that a blade had gone through his skull and touched the other side, covering a distance of ten and a half centimeters, or just over four inches. He also had four minor injuries to the top of his skull, a dagger blow to the cheekbone and a cut to the lower jaw, a cut to the rib bone, and a wound to the pelvis that was inflicted after his death. 
Since he died in battle, his naked body was flung over the back of a horse with his arms on one side and his legs on the other, and paraded. It's believed that the pelvic wound was an act of humiliation as his body was marched through the streets. Other injuries were probably inflicted as well that just don't show up on the skeleton. After three days on display, his body was buried quickly. He was found with the skull propped up and he was missing his feet, and both of those are congruent with a grave that was too short but couldn't be bothered to be redug. There was no evidence of a coffin, and the surrounding soil showed that he had a roundworm infection late in his life. Matrilineal DNA was used to identify him. He had a 16th generation great-niece descended from his oldest sister, Anne. She was positively identified in 2003, but passed away in 2008, four years before he was found. Fortunately, she had a son living in London named Michael, who provided a DNA sample for comparison. They also checked the DNA of the male line through some known relatives, but it showed false paternity. Historically, this occurs at a rate of 1-2% to per generation. In this case, it's been taken as a sign that there was some sort of covert illegitimacy in the royal family. Richard's skeleton has been able to tell us a lot about his life. Mass spectrometry revealed a diet high in freshwater fish, wine, and exotic birds like swan, crane, and heron. That's sort of used as evidence to back up the fact that it really is Richard III because those were all very high-end luxury goods at the time. An iron object was found under his vertebrae that was initially thought to be an arrowhead that had been embedded in his spine, but it turned out to be a nail that had been in the ground or possibly in the soil that had been disturbed when he was initially buried. His skeleton had a number of unusual features that were all consistent with what was previously known about him. He had a slender build and a curved spine, thus the scoliosis, in addition to the battle-related trauma. We also know from his remains that there's a 95% chance he had blue eyes, and a 77% chance that he had brown hair as a child. After a lot of argument about how it should be done, Richard was reburied in 2015 at Leicester Cathedral. His English oak coffin was made by Michael, the great-nephew who provided his DNA, who happens to be a cabinetmaker by trade. As a side note, a February 2018 article from the BBC says that the only related commission Michael has received was a set of bookcases for a man with a collection of volumes about Richard III and the Wars of Roses. The coffin was lead-lined and laid in a brick-lined vault under the floor. Richard's new tomb is a rectangular block of white fossil stone, incised with a cross, and sits on a low plinth made of dark marble with Richard's name, dates, coat of arms, and motto, Loyalty Binds Me. A service was held for Richard's reburial to give him a fitting farewell and a lasting memorial, bestowing some dignity on his death with the royal family represented by the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester and the Countess of Wessex. Leicester sold a lot of Richard III-themed products at this time, and I'm sure they still do, including a locally brewed beer called Return of the King that boasted a distinctive regal flavor. Benedict Cumberbatch, a distant relative, read a poem by Carol Ann Duffy that I would like to read now to close out this episode. My bones, scripted and light, upon cold soil, a human braille. My skull, scarred by a crown, emptied of history. Describe my soul as incense, votive, vanishing. 
your own the same. Grant me the carving of my name. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. I'll be back next week with a new story. Thanks for listening.